1: Good Tuesday to you and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Tuesday edition. Jeff, welcome back in. Hope you had a good weekend, a long weekend, uh, but hopefully a good one nonetheless. Uh, How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Glad to be back. It's been a a minute since we had a long weekend. Yeah, it has. uh, You know, I'll tell you, going into the weekend, I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, there's good stuff to talk about on, on Monday. There's this, there's this, and then all of a sudden the light bulb came on and I went, oh, no
2: Monday. That's right. It
1: was kind of a not a relief because, again, I still felt like I had a good show for a Monday if we would have done one. Uh, you know, the SEC votes, we're going to talk about that, how they're going to allow players uh, to hit the campus here in about two weeks, two-ish weeks, uh, June the 8th. Uh, we we're, we were going to be able to talk about the match a little bit, you know, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. Uh, we'll do that today, uh, and then the Coke Six Hundred, uh, and then the good news is, is I don't know, if, did you watch the Xfinity race last night? No, but I saw that. Was it Kurt Busch or Kyle, Kyle Busch? Bush. I mean, he like dominated. I yeah. mean, it's it, but he had an Appy State car, like that was pretty cool. And it, I don't think it went the flavor that they wanted because it was hard to tell that it was that Appia unless you knew it was the Appia. But overall, probably like a, a walk-up, probably the best-looking car I've seen in a long time, I, like a college car. You know, you've seen, you know, every now and again they'll and when they go to Michigan, they'll do a, a Wolverine or, or, you know, whatever. But this one was just really cool because standalone. Like, you rip Appy State off of it and put somebody else that has yellow and black, and that's an awesome-looking car, too. It was just pretty nice. But, but no, I I thought the whole weekend of Charlotte, you know, no fans is one thing, but but the way that they were able to still bring this thing on and, uh, and quite frankly, still have some really good-looking cars. Uh, I always love when they do things for, like, Veterans Day or Memorial Day because the, the, the paint schemes are awesome. Like, last night, oh. uh... Daniel Hemrick or whatever uh, Junior Motorsports, uh, he was he had a a paint scheme like one of the Fodder planes, uh, and and it had like it looked like it had side exhaust right there behind the wheel well. It was pretty epic. It was awesome. That sounds like it'd
2: be awesome. I have to look that up. It
1: wasn't as good. Like I feel like, uh, and, and I don't know why, but they've just always seemed to have the that game covered was uh the the petty car 43 car they always do a really good job like they'll do the sheet metal look and and it just works that car is pretty awesome but uh but but anyway full weekend of sports how how long's it been since i was able to say that oh about forever now yeah yeah give or take three marches ago yeah but uh you you know i'm not uh it, it wasn't football it wasn't so much you know a lot of a lot of the the mainstream that we would call it but there was buzz this weekend that that I haven't seen in, in in two or three months, and what I'm saying is is the you know SEC's talking about starting football on time. I mean, just that very statement just gets you fired up a little bit. Uh, the the basketball they're talking about how they're going to get back going. So the the realistic fact is is that they, they're going to have a 2020 season in the nba now whether that's shortened whether that's all played in in florida at the wild world world of sports facilities however that looks um there's going to be some basketball uh, i think you know you talk about the ncaa kind of unleashing a little bit and allowing things to happen uh even new york over the weekend opened it up to to professional sports teams i thought it was a it's a good breath uh, and again i'm not trying to get the cart too far ahead of the course or, or the horse because Things things can turn negative pretty quick, but I mean, I think it's a pretty good corner that we've turned. Especially seeing New York open up. That's... I, I think Bloomberg just said, you know what, I ain't doing anything else right. Let's just let it run. Let's do it. He said, I love it. He was like, you know, y'all can open up. Y'all can do whatever you want. I mean, social distance, of course. And I'm like, wow, he's serious about that stuff. I mean, he just seemed like he hadn't slept in about seven Way days. Way to afterthought it. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, he act like he hadn't slept in about seven days. He, he was straight up, uh, Tennessee fans will know what I'm talking about. Mike Hamilton, when he hired Dooley, he's like, I'm just tired of it. Just, 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 <laughs> just go, go get it. Just do it. But, uh, but man, it was, it was a fun weekend. Uh, Coke 600 was back and, uh, the longest race of the year normally the hottest race of the year and it didn't disappoint in, in those two factors uh Sunday was a was a really good day it was it wasn't as as fan friendly fan exposed because you know there wasn't any fans there but uh, it was good to see the 600 back out there and and you'll you'll uh you'll probably speak to it oh kezalowski wins the race yeah yeah um,
2: I was really surprised to wake up and see that because I did not make it to
1: the finish. Chasey Chase should have should have been right there, man. He bad decision. Who who? I mean, who would have thunk it? No. Well, see, that's that's part of that
2: that you have to pay attention to that when you're the leader and it's that late in the race. You have to make that gamble. Am I going to come in? Does that? Because if you don't come in and everybody else does. Same. You're, it's same game. You're on. You're on old tires, and you're in. Yeah you. You have to hope that everybody else does what you do. I can remember some of these. Some of these older races where people would choke way up coming into pit lane, and oh, lock it down, and lock it down, and then it would force everybody else to, and then you could really force their hand because if they start to veer over, then and and it was because if you cross that line, you can't get back out of it. You've committed and. It makes me wonder if maybe that might be a lesson to learn for him if he's See, the leader going in to to try to do something like that.
1: See, I think Chase was planning for more than one overtime. I think he went into the pits and said, "Listen, if I get fresh tires, I won't get back to the front with one overtime, but I can get there with two. And that would have been absolutely I think he the would case, have, yeah, because he was charging. He got to third, ended up finishing second after Jimmy gets disqualified, but. He was charging there, there late in that, and and should it have reset, and he would have been behind Keselowski oh, he'd uh, to push it, yeah. I mean, he would have pushed him to the lead and then slung shot. Slung shot. That's a new one. He would have used the, the little slingshot move and kind of got past him. So, yeah. But – As Johnny Majors would say, if ifs and buts were cookies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. But he does not. He comes home with a third-place finish, ends up with second-place money, as Brad Keselowski, a late caution, sends him uh, to a Coke 600 victory. Keselowski, uh, this was his first Coke 600, or, or World 600, or however you want to call it, and said he considers this race one of the five crown jewels of the sport daytona 500 coke 600 southern 500 brickyard 400 and bristol night race uh he's won all of those but daytona now
2: lining up just like rusty did yeah or
1: he, or dale or or a lot of guys that took him a long time to get well the rusty 500.
2: That never won it uh never
1: did never the got 500. never got the 500 nope oh yep it's a blue deuce curse but uh, kind of some of the winners, you know, you, you sp- speak to the sp- I'm I'm getting in past tense, really, <laughs> really bad here. But uh, Brad Keselowski, of course, your big, big winner. Uh, but other guys really, really kind of paid off uh, a lot of things. As as Ryan Blaney came in fourth on the the unofficial, but finishes third uh, with his best result since a second place finish in this year's Daytona 500. So it's good to see uh, Blaney get back in it. Blaney's kind of a nasty boy. And what I mean by that is he he runs hard and it's it's kind of a uh it's going it's it's not rolling back to the truck by itself. Whether it's getting pushed back from victory lane or the wreckers taking it to the to the the car hauler, uh he's kind of a rough he he's Kyle Bush uh with a little more southern twang. I can see you that. You remember that? Kyle Bush back in yeah. the day, he'd wreck it every I mean he'd wreck all the time. All the M and M's are gone. Yeah, right. Yeah, somebody left the bag open. Yeah, to me,
2: this one definitely had one of those feels for one of those restrictor plate night races of just who's left, who's going to be there that just outlasted and made it to the end. Not that there was a lot of wrecks or anything. It was just it had that feel that everybody was just tired. Everybody just wanted it over.
1: Well, and, and to to their credit, I mean, you know, this is they're they're going to race again Wednesday. They're going to race at Charlotte again Wednesday. That these guys you talk about having, having not been in the car and been doing this i racing thing from your living room and then now you're in this thing for for 600 miles and then you're in there for for another I think the this Wednesday race is going to be 300 and, and it's just I'm just like these guys these guys are going to be like you, you want to know how you get off the uh you get off the Rona, the the weight gain, you get back in this race car for about 17 hours in two weeks. Oof, that's hard. Oh, man, I, I couldn't rough. imagine that. But Kyle Busch was another victor of, of the weekend, overcame a speeding penalty to get in that fourth place. Again, finished on the track in fifth, but finished up fourth. It marks his fourth consecutive top five finish in the Coke 600 after only having three such finishes in his first 13 starts. I think Kyle Busch, right before our eyes. If you look, I'm not a Kyle Busch fan. Like honestly, if he'd leave that helmet on, I'd be a lot bigger fan because he just he he continues to still talk too much. But we're watching we're watching Daryl Waltrip 2.0 right here. Oh yeah, in my opinion, he he's a trash talking, great driving person that nobody likes because he was competing with the the greats, right? And then now, as everybody continues to retire. He's that he's that steady force. I mean, if you think about it, after Jimmy Johnson leaves the, the, at the end of this year, your your elder statesmen of NASCAR are Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, um, Kyle Kurt Busch, and then Kyle Busch is like right there. Yeah, that's... And, and the the fact is, I mean, he's if you want you want me to get my uh, get my dollars rolling to you. Uh, give me one driver, say you can pick any driver for the whole year, and we'll we'll settle up at the end. Give me Kyle Busch because that cat's going to run really good at a lot of places. He may not win a ton, but he's going to finish in the top five, top ten yeah, he all is, the time. He's, he has become so consistent in the top
2: five, and just that consistency alone gets him wins too.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, and he'll, he'll be there. That's yeah. the thing. When you're that consistent, you're there. And it just takes one good pit strategy, uh, one bad pit strategy by the guy in front of you, uh, or what have you, and, and you're in victory lane. And and I think he's a he's a good enough driver and a, a clean enough driver. I don't know that Chase Elliott agrees with me, but uh, I think uh, I think he is good enough uh, to be known as as probably one of the best in the sport right now. I if you give me if you give me three drivers to take to any racetrack and run with, I'm gonna go Kevin Harvick. Kyle Bush. And as much as it pains me just because I don't really care for him, probably, and this just speaks to where the sport's at, I'd probably go Joey Logano. Honestly, I, I don't know who that third would be. Oh, I like Chase Elliott too. I, I think he's, he's coming on, but I'm just saying, as far as sure fired ringers, those three guys just seem to always know how to finish. Yeah. Yeah, Chase Chase Elliott, he, I mean, Chase is if you give me the if you say I have to pick a driver that's been successful in the last year and a half, then Chase gets in that conversation.
2: And I think he'll continue to be successful. Oh yeah. I think he's just he's, Well, he's got the money backing. Well, yeah. And and he just has to get a break. I mean, really, he just has to catch a break because you know, last weekend, he wrecks. He had help and then yeah. this weekend, the
1: bad pit strategy. I mean, he could essentially have two wins in a row mm-hmm. and coming it, off this thing. Yeah. Yep. But uh, and then two other winners from the weekend. Kevin Harvick finished fifth, extending his streak of consecutive top tens to a dozen, dating back to last season. And Christopher Bell scored his first career Cup top ten finish, placing ninth. Christopher Bell, uh, Timmy Hill, uh, some of those guys from the Xfinity series. Uh, there's some promising drivers down in the in the Xfinity right now. The only thing about it is, uh, do you look at those guys ever? Do you ever see them, like, their picture? I don't know if they're they're going to jump in a race car or deliver my paper.
2: <laughs> I
1: mean, they look like 12 years old. There was a kid last night that was running in the Xfinity Series that I'm like, who brought him to the track? Like, I don't know that this kid has a driver's license.
2: Well, you remember, I mean, they, they used to have so many spots filled, everybody was – everybody had a ride everybody had a sponsor it was you might have one car riding around out there that was somebody
1: you didn't know who it was at some form and then you always had a oh couple. you mean the sponsor or the driver the driver i was gonna say because if it was the car the one that had no sponsor on it always was morgan shepherd <laughs> we we knew exactly who that was <laughs> and 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 it seemed
2: like it was always it was always the cool kids club Who was going to get to move up from the Bush Series to make it into the Cool Kids Club Oh, absolutely! yellow stripes? And now, I don't think they can
1: fill the seats fast enough with some of these younger guys. So it was weird. There was a a turning point in NASCAR. You you remember when when Junior and Matt Kenseth started in like year 2000, 2001? Um, That was when you had to be really good. Like you needed to prove your grit. I mean, Junior didn't move up until he had won the Bush Series twice. Yeah. Uh, that AC Delco three car is still like painted in my memory, but, uh, y- you know, he won the Bush series twice and then moved into a good ride. He moved into a children's car and then the rest is history. Uh, but now it's, Oh, he's finished top five twice. Let's get him in a car. Let's exactly. move him up. Let's move. Him. Exactly. And that is somewhat slowed recently just because of the jockeying of position. You've got some really good drivers at the Xfinity series, but he's a Toyota guy. And the only two rides that are open are Ford and Chevy rides. And, and that has slowed the the transition a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, my, my father-in-law said uh, a few years back, and I use this all the time, he said, they look like jockeys now. They're just little guys. There's no more Sterling Marlins. There's no more uh, Jimmy uh, Spencer. Jimmy Spencer, or uh, I was thinking, oh, uh, Bobby Hamilton. Yeah. Remember, drives that? he still drives a truck series, I think, periodically. But, Uh, but, but, you know, there's no more big drivers and you look across the sport and he's, he's kind of out of it at the moment, but three guys that you could look at and you could pass them in Walmart, not know if they're like the lead gamer or, or they're a NASCAR driver. And that's, that's like Kyle Larson, uh, Alex Bowman and, uh, and, uh, and William Byron, those guys right there, like, I'm pretty sure, like under their their fire suit, they have like a Batman belt, and not that there's anything wrong with a Batman belt. I'm just saying, I'm just saying those guys they look diaper rash. They they look like they're they're pretty uh, they're pretty young out of the out of the gate. Kyle Larson won the uh, Outlaw. Yeah, Kyle Larson's going to be mad. Like it may be the best thing happened for his career. Yeah, honestly, I doubt it. But uh, it's I would be interested when he gets. I think he should get a second chance in the Cup, so I'm just interested in how that, that I think what up. he's
2: going to do, and this is my thought, is that he is going to go win everything else known to man to where he's going to basically say, you're going to have to put me back in because I'm beating everything else that says I should be here.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I can I can uh, I can hope for that. I, I like Kyle Larson. I like what he did. And Matt Kenseth is he's he's same old Matt. He's going to keep you a straight race car. Oh yeah. He's going to bring it home in one piece. And he did that this weekend. But here's some losers from the weekend. Denny Hamlin, uh, he faces the next four races without crew chief Chris Gabehart, uh, as potentially other team members as a penalty uh for the ballast falling out of his car before the race among those races are bristol where he won last last year's night race martinsville where he was fourth last year in the playoff race uh denny hamlin uh, a guy who was i racing juggernaut it looks like he's gonna have to do it by himself again here in the, in the cup series the basilisk fell off i mean how does that even happen that's supposed to be bolted on. Yeah, well, you know, weight reduction. It's yeah, like see, that's use what I plastic thought. Plastic screws.
2: What What I thought was that this was intended to maybe fall off in the pit stall,
1: and oh, it fell off. Hey, I'll Racing tell you. Happens. <laughs> I'll tell you something that uh, that wasn't supposed to happen last night, and it was hilarious. Uh, it was uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt. It just happened to be uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt uh, hit when. Um, The guy who gives them the all clear and the jack guy wasn't necessarily on the same page last night. Uh, He ended up dragging a jack all the way around Charlotte Motor Speedway. I'm like, how did he get off pit lane? Like, how did he just not bow up? But, I mean, they're like, something's wrong with Jeffrey Earnhardt's zero machine. And they look out there, and it is like like a rooster tail of sparks because he's just dragging. (laughs) And I told Laura, I was like, that's bad because, I mean – you know nascar jacks aren't like they're not your run-of-the-mill insert cheap purchase here jack
2: yeah no they're you know. they're legit they're heavy duty
1: yeah well it's like a three-pump jack it's going to get that whole nascar race car off the ground in like one two three maybe two it may be one two but uh so he just drug about probably a thousand fifteen hundred jack around there and i'm i'm gonna say it's not repairable he probably just shaved a couple inches off of it, to be honest. Now that jack is more aerodynamic. Yeah, and his uh, his side sheet metal is, too. <laughs> it's got a big old gap in it. But uh, anyway, uh, Jimmy Johnson, runner-up finish, is gone after just a few seconds in the post-race inspection bay. NASCAR disqualifies his car by finishing last. He will start Wednesday's race dead last, also at Charlotte. The, the team decided Monday not to appeal the penalty, uh, obviously, that's a. I don't want to say that's an admittance of guilt, but yeah, it kind of is.
2: Well, I think they're kind of used to having, having some time to prep maybe an appeal, and they won't have that because they would have had to have had an appeal in over the holiday and then get something determined today for the race tomorrow. And they probably just don't have time to do it, and they're just going to take it on the chin and run with it.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's one of those deals. Why why fight it at this point? Just go out there and win. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. A, DN, a DNF at this point doesn't matter. Just win and you get you're in. You know what I'm saying? Uh, talk about Chase Elliott. Uh, he finished was in second place at Darlington before the spin out by Kyle Busch, uh, and then this past weekend he's in the lead, running late in the race, and his teammate William Byron spins out to bring the caution out. At that point, that's when the decision had to be made. He wanted fresh tires. Again, I think assuming there was going to be more than one restart uh, and, and wanting that fresh fre- those fresh tires uh, doesn't get it, and Brad Keselowski goes to the win, and he finishes second after Jimmy Johnson's disqualification. So uh, Chase Elliott right on the cusp, just needs to get across the finish line, and no pun intended, but, uh, but just got to get it done. Chase is, is right there real close. Uh, but this isn't horseshoes or hand grenades, so he's got to he's got to get after it. And 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 like I said, not uh, he could win this Wednesday, and it's all for naught. It'd be the best seven days he's probably had.
2: Yeah, I I I definitely would put my money in his basket tomorrow
1: night. I like it, I like it. But uh, but but let's uh, let's take a break. Listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the NCAA releasing some opportunity for for players to get back on campus. What some conferences has done and what schools maybe still maybe still have some hang-ups about whether they're going to have students on campus. But we'll do so on the flip side of the break. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 a.m. and streaming at WKVL.com. We'll be back. You don't want to miss it. or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender.
0: The Blunt Partnership is committed to leading the Blunt County business
2: community through this coronavirus outbreak. We will continue to be a resource for all
1: businesses as well as supplying up-to-date information for our community. Please check out our website for updated information at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Your local Blunt County Community Food Connection is still open serving local families in time of need and hardship. We provide prepackaged groceries to help meet your nutritional and dietary needs. The Community Food Connection is open Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday from 10 a.m. until noon for drive-up delivery only. Residents are asked to remain in their vehicle so that our volunteers may safely distribute the food. Directions as to how to enter and depart the facility
0: will be clearly displayed. We thank you for your cooperation and look forward to serving you at your Blount County Community Food Connection.
1: This is Wayne and let me start by saying thanks for listening and I hope you like what we're grinding on today and what we like to call the fastest hour here in Blunt County. But we wanted to take a minute to let you know how you can join in, give your take on today's topics. You can give us a call, Grind Time Hotline, 865-983-4310. That's 865-983-4310. But if you don't have time or you're on that morning grind, give us a message on our website, thegrindonsports.com. You can drop a comment, leave a message, and we'll get your opinion on the air. I look forward to hearing from you, and as always, thanks for putting the grind
0: on your mind. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports.
1: And welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Tuesday edition. First day of the week here this week, uh, and we'll talk a little little college football. Southeastern Conference votes to allow organized workouts starting June the 7th. Will other conferences follow suit? Jeff, uh, Southeastern Conference had talked about possibly June the 1st, next Monday, uh, getting this thing off the ground. Uh, but not so fast as they, they say, you know what, June the 8th, there's going to be some more stuff come out over the next few days as far as the restrictions that are going to be in place, what has to be done, limitations on quantity, et cetera, et cetera. But football's back in the Southeastern Conference, and, and by that meaning get these guys back on campus. I think the next three or four weeks are quote-unquote throwaway weeks as you're really just gauging the, the capacity of where your players are what have they done while they've been away, and then what do you got to do to get them back to game shape? Because I think that's ultimately what needs to be attacked right now: is how do we keep these guys from blowing knees or, or ripping Achilles or or what have you? Because they've not done rigorous training for six, seven, eight weeks. Uh, so I think I think it's a good first step. It's football in the fall is is upon us, uh, and we've just got to we got to take it as what it is. Step number one. I think they really took a chance
2: and listened to some of the head coaches, where they were saying, "Hey, we need this. If you want this, we have to have this," and and that's and that's this soft start kind of sort of where you can get in, you can evaluate your players, you can see where everybody's at, and then you can really make a good uh, plan and try to determine where you want to be when when you're going to start. Uh, really hitting it hard in training and things like that. I think this is also going to give the NCAA a chance to understand where the other conferences are at also because you do have a lot of uh, of out-of-conference play early on in the season, and I think this maybe gives them a chance to understand, will those games happen or do we need to nix them out of the the schedule?
1: Yeah, and just rework the schedule. It says the Southeastern Conference has set the bar to see what other – Power five conferences do as it relates to the early dates team can resume organized workouts. The league on Friday announced it will allow team activities as early as June the 8th. And then NCAA said on Wednesday that teams can start as early as June the 1st, but SEC says not until the following week. Some schools atten- appear to be trending towards the early date. The SEC generally considers to be m- one of the more aggressive leagues as far as being critical on that returning to activity, uh, went with one week later. It said June 8th will begin a transition period that will allow student-athletes to gradually adapt to full training and sports activity after their recent period of inactivity. Uh, This is what the SEC said in an announcement there on Friday. It said under plans developed by each university and consistent with state and local health directives, certain activities will be permitted based on the ability to participate. In controlled and safe environments, while others uh, recommend social distancing measures. So, uh, again, I think state by state, that's going to be dictated a little bit because I know Tennessee has now opened it up. I think you can have groups of fifty or more. So, uh, at that rate, uh, you can have some pretty decent organized team activities. Whereas, you know, uh, even even locally, Alcoa and Maryville, uh, they're a little bit more critical. They're keeping it still to that ten even through this week that I'm aware of. So. Uh, I, I think that's going to be that's going to be that creative side of when to inject reality. You know, when to put this thing back on on play instead of slow mo. Uh, that's going to be up to each uh, each university. But it said the Big Ten, Big East, and Summit League conferences, which oversee uh, Nebraska, Creighton, uh, and, and some other schools respectively, have yet to formally vote on their earliest state. Uh, dates, although Ohio State has already targeted June 8th as its first transition day. So it looks like they're they're trying to just take it upon themselves. It said Greg Sankey said schools can have their own small tweaks to protocol, but the league wanted a collaborative approach to health and safety uh, as they, they attack the return after the pandemic. It says while each institution, institution will make its own decisions in creating defined plans to safely return student-athletes, uh, it is essential to employ a collaborative approach uh, that that public health officials, coaches, sports medicine staff are all on the same page. Uh, I, I think that's a that's a huge point uh, in in a positive direction. You know, it's it's one of these things. There there is well, there's probably more than this, but there's like three huge schools of thought, right, in this whole pandemic era and what what's been going on. There's the it's a ploy, it's fake. We don't need to do anything. Let's just get back after it. I don't necessarily um, subscribe to that one. Uh, I think there there's maybe a little hype, but there's a lot of risk. So that's where I, And then there's the middle ground, which I feel like is where I'm at, where I think there is some elevation of negativity from media and different things that, that kind of has here's a good one exacerbated <laughs> uh, this 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 whole situation has blown it up a little bit but I think there's some real risks there's some real negative effects that come from this and and, and it needs to be dealt with accordingly so I, there's that middle ground which is where I feel like I, I kind of lie and then there's the the complete opposite the uh, the uh y- you know I don't know put a fogger on the shoulders facing backwards so that you're you're catching every surface that you might have ever touched. Uh, and, and there's that side of things. So I think at all universities there's all three segments engaged. Maybe even on certain coaching staffs there's all three segments engaged. And, and so it's a matter of how are you going to attack that? How are you going to pull your your students back in? Because there's and again I don't want to I don't want to stereotype or whatever. But there is there are players and families that are in all three categories as well. We'll get him on back in there. He needs to get back to school, or he ain't coming back. He ain't coming back till there's a vaccine, or da 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 da. And so, all that dynamic is something that's going to have to be unfolded once you can come back to campus. You know, there there may be a situation to where a big time athlete doesn't feel comfortable coming back this early.
2: Yeah, and I think that that's going to be something that they're going to have to really understand, and they're going to have to work around is. How do you make these kids feel safe? How do you cater to all three of those schools of thought at one time to where everybody feels comfortable coming back when you give your start date? You know, it was interesting that you mentioned Ohio State because we've been talking about the SEC, and the SEC as a collective said, we're good. Well, Ohio State, you know, Big 12 or Big 10
1: hasn't. It takes 12 teams to get 10 good ones.
2: Yeah. And so, and, and, and but who who do you hear from? Ohio State. Why? Well, because they normally contend for a national title. So the ACC hasn't. Who are you going to hear from? Clemson. More than likely. You know, and so I think you're going to see this, and they're going to be like, listen,
1: if you want us to compete, we need to be ready. Well, and I think everybody looks, and, 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 and you know, I, you're kind of a Big 12 guy, I guess. Like, you're kind of really like a Big East guy that's been forced to be a Big 12 guy. Yeah. Uh, but here's the deal. When the Southeastern Conference makes a recommendation or they say this is when we're starting, that race is already even at best. So you can't get behind the SEC. Right. Because that, that's – and that's where Ohio State, I guarantee, that's where that came from. It's like – it's kind of like the old uh, uh, CVS-Walgreens thing. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like – One of those companies, and I'm going to leave it because I don't really remember which one's which, but one of those companies does all the geographical uh, studies. They do all the the, where the population is in reference to other stores, da-da-da-da-da, and that's how they place their stores. You know what the other one does? Puts them right across the street from them.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) They're just like, it's worked. We're going to do that. I mean, it's like the Subways in the Walmart. It's like, why even worry about where to put a subway? Just put it in the Walmart. Yep. It's fine. So I, I think Ohio State understands, here's the deal. If at best we want to get an even kill shot at, at the Southeastern Conference, we can't be any later than them. Nope. We're starting back on June the 8th. Uh, if it, You can't let Alabama get ahead of you. You can't let Florida get ahead of you. And you can't let Georgia get ahead of you. And then that's just, that's just a very small fraction of, of that conference, right? And so, at that rate, yeah, I think you're going to see you're going to see ACC, Big Twelve, Big Ten, all kind of go towards what the SEC's done. And I think it's it, it means a lot that the SEC kind of put that first foot forward. Said, listen, we're we're cool. We appreciate the June first date, but we're going to go June eighth. And I guarantee the way this is going to roll is coaches will be there June the first. They'll be getting facilities back clean. They'll be doing a lot of things. Uh, to get this thing ready for for the ground running kind of situation come June the eighth, and 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 I think that's smart, and that and that gives you a lot of time. You could literally do the entire month of June as none more than than game shape recovery, if you will, and, and then you can hit July like a like a fall camp, like a you know maybe do June uh, up through maybe the first week of July, take about a two week break, and then start fall camp, and then we're ready to go. Yeah, so uh, I I like what what the the direction they went, but I think it's a really good point, Jeff. Um, you can't get behind the SEC, no.
2: and and I think you are going to see Oklahoma start hitting that panic button. You know, you are going to have some teams out they west. They better
1: week two's coming. Oregon, whether they want it or not. Well,
2: but but that's the reality of it. You know, you know, Tennessee's going to be getting ready June eighth, mm-hmm. and and I think Oklahoma. I mean. At this point, I think anybody's got a shot at that game. You know, you you if you if you don't have this pandemic, I think maybe you still try to give it to Oklahoma because they're in Norman. But with this going on and nobody being there, and now you have a start date for Tennessee, you know when you're going to start getting ready. And Oklahoma's still sitting out here because the Big Twelve doesn't know what they're doing yet, and they're like, "Hey, listen, hello, we need this." <laughs> Do you see what they did? <laughs> exactly. And and they're they're gonna start putting pressure on their just, commissioner,
1: just like my little boys say. But 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 mom. Yep. <laughs> yeah yeah that's what's happening. I um I don't know I don't know I I just love that that I understand where Tennessee's at now. Like I can now go uh, to to they're not gonna have baseball games, which I, honestly I love Tennessee baseball. I really do, but I really love going to Tennessee baseball in the spring. Because you can go to the baseball game and watch the baseball game, and then turn around and watch the the spring practice. That's cool. And uh, I didn't get to do that this season, but if if we get back alive a little bit, gives you a reason to drive over to campus. It gives you a reason to, to kind of speculate about what's going on over there. You get to see these quarterbacks get back in the throw of things. You've seen Jared Garantano and in the infamous Moon Pie face. Uh, he is he is flat put on some weight. Uh, whether that's to, to take the hits that he likes to take or whether that's to be aggressive and, and to, to kind of take the job uh, from some of these young bucks, we don't know. But I'm excited about everything for Tennessee. Just what the, the heat that they've brought in the recruiting trail, can that translate to the football field? Can the, the streak continue You know, after the, the eight-win season, the bowl win? Uh, all those things, can it, can it factor back in uh, to the 2020 uh, football season. We'll see what that looks like, but the start date will be June the eighth. Love what that looks like, and can't wait to get back after it. But Jeff, let's take our last break of the day. Listen to our fine sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk the match. We're going to talk about Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. It's a it was a matchup that uh, the weather didn't necessarily cooperate very well, but they continued to play through. And uh, and uh, let's just talk about Tom Brady's pants. Uh, doing a little social distancing. We'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> on the flip side of the break, as Manning Woods victor- victorious in in the match, but uh, Tom Brady had some, some moves of his own. We'll talk about that on the flip. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 850 AM, and streaming at WKBL.com. We'll be right back. You
0: don't want to miss it.
1: Go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender.
0: Celebrate being outdoors this year with your grilling headquarters at Rule King. And this week's Rudy
1: special will add extra flavor to your grilling. A 20-pound bag of Griller's Gold Pellets is normally $11.99, but for a limited time, they're now two for $12. Choose from hickory, fruitwood, or competition flavors. Bring the best out of your grill foods this summer with two bags for 12 bucks while supplies last at your neighborhood Rural King, America's farm and home store. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the party pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family. And it's always a good time.
0: In uncertain times, you can be certain of this. The Salvation Army is serving those most in need with help and hope. Thanks to your donations, the Salvation Army is helping those affected by COVID-19. Those who've lost wages, who have no home to retreat to, who need food, help with utilities, and most of all, hope. To see how you can continue to make a difference, visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. Have you heard about
1: or seen the Grand's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grand from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download The Grind Podcast on Apple Podcast and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. Got golf? iguanifarmsgolf.com, 970-7132. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blunt County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Mariville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007. Or you can check out their work online, at 42SD.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007 or online at 42SD.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did.
0: Got something you're grinding on? Give us a call at 865-983-4310. Now back to the grind with host Wayne Kaiser. 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports.
1: And welcome back inside the WKVL Studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Tuesday edition. Well well, Jeff, it's back to normal as we've we've talked NASCAR, we've talked college football, now we're gonna talk golf. Like we can't get all over the map any more than that. We're doing a good job. Like and we we were talking a little bit of Happy Gilmore at the break, so I feel like we're not completely leaving our roots of our, no. our comedy movies. We didn't talk any food. Eh, maybe tomorrow. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow. But anyway, uh, the match number two was in the uh, in the books after this weekend. I don't know that I knew that it was called The Match. I thought it was just, you know tiger versus phil peyton versus tom i just you know i never knew that it had a name but uh as as it kind of come closer uh the match number two was kind of on on the hook and it was really um it was really intriguing a sunday that that had the coke 600 in it and 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 it was really good i thought it was enough it was back to if normal has seen me since march it was sunday because I tuned tuned into the match, and then about six o'clock kicked it over and little did a little split screen, uh, did the Coke six hundred and the the finish of the match, and uh, man, it was I was like, we're doing it, Harry! Yeah. like we've got real sports on two different TVs. Yeah, it was it was definitely a
2: little bit back to normality, especially and it, coming from sports that can stand. To probably not have people there that could really support that um, definitely was, was ready for it to be
1: back. I'm glad. I'll tell you, uh, you, you know, golf's one of those that it, you know, again, a happy Gilmore reference. You you know, you like it landing on the guy's foot and them having to play off of it. <laughs> you, like, you like the guy that runs through the crowd and, like, finds the ball. Like, there's a certain bit of, of play there. But golf's really... Uh, they can do a good job of keeping it on the athletes and uh, and really having that conversation piece uh, that really talks things out. But what I liked about this was is everybody was mic'd up, which I think uh, some of those early shots from Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady, they wish they weren't mic'd <laughs> up. But uh, but nonetheless, at medalist golf course, uh, it, which is basically Tiger Woods's home course, uh, the rain had came, they were doing their thing. But uh, give them credit – uh, they really uh, they really kind of worked through it and, and kept playing but it was Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning on a team and Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson on the other team it was for covid 19 relief was what they were playing for uh, what their uh, their their I guess their efforts were going toward and and I thought it was really cool because they were uh, very much uh, every hole had its thing you know closest to the pin longest drive uh, they even had a hole. That you use the same club the entire hole. <laughs> and it was awesome because I think Phil Mickelson used a six iron and Tiger Woods used a four iron. No used a seven? I think Peyton did.
2: That would make sense. But the thing is, he would get
1: it. But the thing is, is he uh, he uh but Tiger nearly hit like a 12, 15 foot putt with a four iron. Oh yeah. Like it's just it it was stupid. So that's out. that's from ten
2: cup. Thing. He uh, he, yeah. parred the back nine with a seven iron because he broke all of his other clubs. <laughs> and if anybody was going to do that and make that reference, it would be Peyton.
1: <laughs> true that, true that. But, uh, you know, it, it's one of those – this was the first PGA Tour event. Uh, well, it wasn't a PGA Tour event, but the first thing that happened with right. PGA Tour players uh, since the, the COVID shutdown, uh, the first PGA Tour is set to happen here in a couple weeks. But uh, I thought it was, it was great that they injected – a little bit of rivalry from a different sport uh into this. And you know, they talked about and they did everything. Like they I tell you the the creativity of these crews it, it's just unmatched. Like they were talking about uh playing in the rain and they were like who get who gets the advantage and then they showed clips of Peyton in his Super Bowl in 2006. They won it in the rain. And so they were like we'll give it to Peyton and I'm like, <laughs> who thinks of that? Like, that was so smart to do that. But, you know, I thought they, they did a good job of, of you know, it, coming with some other guys. Like, Russell Wilson stepped in on one hole. It was a par three and said, anybody 12 foot or, or closer, I'll donate 100,000 meals. Well, I think he, he kind of probably had planned for Tiger or Phil to do this. And then he kind of put his foot in his mouth and said, for each person. Well, here comes uh, here comes Tom, and he he gets it probably six foot away from the hole, maybe eight, and he's like, oh, good, a hundred thousand mils, Whew. got that done. Peyton, eighteen inches from the hole. <laughs> then Phil steps up, and he's I mean he's like ten feet, so he's like three hundred thousand meals now i think it the meals probably got a little diminished you know it started off as like really good meals and then it got nuggets uh, <laughs> by the yeah. end of it but then tiger woods uh hit it and it, he was he was quite a ways away so uh two things happened right there one three hundred thousand meals happened but the second thing was is i think you could have bet the farm that tiger woods would not have been the farthest away from the hole exactly it blew my mind, but now Tiger was on pretty much all day. He hit all 18 fairways in a monsoon of some rain. Like they had the camera covers and the peelaways and everything like that. And there was times where I was still like, "Is that a is that a rain bubble or is that the ball?" <laughs> I don't I don't know. But uh, it was a great it was a great little match. And and honestly, uh, I, I kept telling Laura, "You can tell who's been retired because uh, Peyton's game was pretty tight. I mean, he he was pretty good. He understood what he needed to do." And, uh, and, and of course, he had a pretty good helper there in Tiger Woods. But uh, I thought Tom and Phil were a little tight early on. I don't know if it was, uh, again, the weather or what it was. Uh, but, uh, y- you know, you just saw some uh, some little shake from that side of the court course that you didn't see from Peyton and Tiger.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I even think. Even so much
1: the pants split. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I heard about the split. Yeah. I think Tiger was able to go out and just play. He didn't have four hundred thousand people staring at him going, Is he gonna play like he used to? I think he's able to just go out there and have fun. He
1: yeah, has his ba- is his back gonna hang in.
2: Right. And then you have Manning who's playing with you, who I think that's all he wants to do anymore is just have fun. That's it. That's his middle name. And then on the flip side, you've got Phil Mickelson who's kind of been who who's a great golfer don't get me wrong and he's one that I kind of like but he's always been chasing tiger like always and then you have Tom Brady who isn't really known for for golf you know who knows he even how much he even plays and so I think you've got Phil who's probably thinking okay not only am I chasing tiger but now I've got to play for two and try to keep us in this and I think at that point you can you can get a little reckless and you don't have that Manning who's going to, you know, who's, you know, like you said, he played pretty tight. He played pretty good. Who's going to drop it 18 inches away from the pin? You, you know, you've got to hope that Brady might just get it kind of close and not clear the entire green. There it goes. <laughs> you know, and so he's he's got to overcome that, and I think that was just tough, you know, and that's a, that's a tough matchup with Tiger.
1: Yeah, and, and you know uh, – it was for charity so it wasn't it wasn't one of those but uh i i made the comment because you know i'm there's no there's no I, I even when he split his pants i was like oh those must be made by belichick it's it's, it's uh, oh too soon too soon but uh you know he put those rain pants on and just kept you know like laura said the wind didn't have a chance because they were like windbreaker looking <laughs> pants it was hilarious but but anyway uh I thought it was pretty symbolic, honestly, you know, and and I'm I'm kind of tongue in cheek at this, but you know, it was Phil and Tiger. Tiger's the one that's the chased, right? And then it's Tom and Peyton. I thought they coined it right. I've always said Tom's been chasing Peyton records. Peyton didn't chase Tom records. Exactly. And so I, I thought it was a pretty good matchup. I thought it was great, uh, because Peyton is so I mean, he's got the Peyton's place that he's been doing. He's going to get a second season at that, but uh, he's just a one-liner machine. Like he's a, he's a thing that he can just he can just rip off like this one little thing, and and talk for for just a few minutes, and it just it gives a lot of talking points. Like they were talking about getting under Tom Brady's skin. It's like yeah, he's just so hard to get under his skin. I said he said I could probably bring up Eli, but he said that's kind of, that's kind of old. He said. Ooh, I could I could talk about Nick Foles, and you saw Tom Brady rip that head around and go, "That's a cheap shot." That's it. I was like, "There you go." That's that's a yeah. thorn right there. Just just turn the thumb on it. But um, I thought I thought Peyton did a really good job uh, of just keeping it light. Like literally, you can tell who's the more polished like promoter. You you know Peyton can kind of sell things to where Tom was. He was a little awkward out there at times, honestly, because he he was like trying to talk to Charles. Uh, Charles Barkley back at the studio and, and do things, but it was just still real real dry, real odd. Well, I
2: think he's used to having a podium and microphones in front of him. Mm-hmm. He's not used to just off-the-cuff stuff like Peyton's used to it. Barkley's well, always been good and, at that.
1: And to give him a little bit of slack, which, you know, go ahead and put this down, write it down, because I don't do it often. But – Peyton has had time to think about things more than football. Oh, absolutely. I think if you'd have talked to Peyton in about 08 or 10, you know, when he's in the throes of every day is trying to be better at football or trying to win, da 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 da, then he's not going to have near the personality he has. Exactly. Yeah. Because he's just, he's well rounded, but that's just his forehead at that time. Uh, But now. I mean, he's a nationwide guy. He's you know he's doing all these different things. He's he's uh, hosted award shows. He's he's done the roast. He's done all these different things. So he has some uh, some vocabulary. He's got some some experiences to talk about. Tom Brady just went to Tampa, and he's probably not he's not raised his nose much out of that playbook uh, for a few weeks. So he really didn't have any side stories to be able to talk about. No, you, you know what I'm saying. I think you're spot on. But I, I thought it was really cool that uh, he sunk that hundred yard, uh, that fairway shot, and it ripped back and went in the hole, right as Charles Barkley was talking trash. That's good. Yeah, because I mean, I just he said, Come, and you could tell he, for a half second, forgot he was mic'd up. You know, and that's the other <laughs> thing about
2: Charles Barkley is he talks trash, knowing that. When he swings that golf club, he looks the way that he does, and he still talks trash.
1: Charles Barkley is, uh, I mean, he's a he's a, he's kind of a national treasure. Yes, like I'm not an Auburn fan, and and it didn't really sit well with me about all his stuffed animals and balloons on his on the tabletop there when Auburn was making their final four run with Bruce Pearl, who had there not been a barbecue, may have still been at Tennessee, <laughs> but I digress. But he's he's a national treasure. I mean, he's he's a guy like, uh, I'm trying to think of who one of those other guys that just every time they speak, it's just funny. Uh, but Charles is one of those, I know I look funny, I know I'm heavy, I know I'm bald, but I'm going to be Charles. Exactly. Uh, and it talks about, uh, uh, you know, he was in the, the Last Dance and was talking about, you know, there's no shame in losing to Michael Jordan, da-da-da-da-da, but... He also had that moment when he told Chicago, "Better take that stuff off of windows," because he's just—he's that guy. You're not going to turn Charles away from Charles, no. And uh, but I thought it was great. They kept guys in there, kept poking them in there that that had either dealt with Manning or dealt with uh, dealt with Brady, and, and really just kept chumming it up with all of them. You know, hey, hey, how's it going, da da da? And even the guys who would come in and donate other things like like Russell Wilson, like all these other guys, they could talk to him too. And, and early on, I thought Tom was being kind of like a little baby about it. Cause he was like, I got static in my ear and I'm like, what? Shut up.
2: But he, he finally, You're probably not the only one.
1: He finally figured out that he's not the only one. And, uh, I think Giselle sent him a text and said, suck it up buttercup. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, probably my favorite comment. And I got to get this in here before we, we get out. But, uh, they ask, you know, basically about wardrobe and, you know, there was even some, some little cartoons that had come out that was like Sunday attire and it had Peyton in a red polo and black pants and Tiger also, you know, cause that's Tiger's Sunday look and Tiger, of course, just in, in normal form, red shirt, black shorts, which obviously that was a faux pas from the word go. You can't wear shorts at, at that level of a course, but they're Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods, so they do what they want. <laughs> but, uh. They ask about it, and they said, you know, Phil and, Phil and Tom's kind of matchy-matchy. You know, they got the Navy on, and, and they're kind of a – they look like a team. He said, why aren't you wearing um, red and black? He said, he said, I don't wear red and black. He said, that's Georgia Bulldog colors. And, again, this is a paraphrase. You can catch the video on, on YouTube. But he said, if you wanted me to be sick on the first hole, he said, that's what we wore. That's and right. And I'm like, that's awesome. And then he just continues to, again, put that thorn just deeper and deeper. But when he goes – I'm not giving Kirby Smart something he can put on his social media. <laughs> I'm like, he is the man. And uh, so that was like one of my favorite things. And then uh, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but Tom, Tom tried to shake, uh, shake the, the University of Tennessee tree a little bit. And uh, he got the smoky head cover off one of Peyton's clubs and uh, acts like he's going to stomp on it. And I thought Laura was going to go through the TV. Yeah, that would be the appropriate reaction. Well, I mean, appropriate is, is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> uh, I would say aggressive uh, is is true. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Tom went to Michigan, which already has water well under the bridge. And uh, and, and the fact that uh, Vol Twitter uh, got a guy fired before he was ever hired, that's something you don't mess with. That's, that's a shining moment right D- there. Uh, well, I mean, hey, it's one of those things you can either run from it or embrace, embrace it. Embrace it. And we are embracing it. But hey, we've run out of time. Don't miss top of the hour, Jason Swain and the Swain event. And what is? A block of sports right here in Blunt County. But if you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care. Be safe. And yes, grind on. We'll see you tomorrow. You don't want to miss it.